Hello there, fellow documentary enjoyers. Welcome to the Documenteers Podcast, the podcast about documentaries, where each week Bob Sham, that's me, sits with another well-meaning enthusiast to break down a different documentary and lay it down on silk sheets. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode because Eldridge returns and he and I went to the local theater and watched another of those moving picture style documentaries. I know all movies are pretty much moving pictures, but that's all I can think of to call this style. We watched Kalika Law's Black Mother. I think it's making its way around the country, maybe going near where you are. This one is about Jamaica and its cycling generations, intense culture and birth and life and death and Black Mothers. Eldridge and I were having some good conversation about this doc, but I apologize for any bits of feedback. Mike staticky shit. Most of it isn't too harsh and you hear everything fine, but editing this one was very challenging and I had to scrap chunks that had some issues. Hope it's not too much of a bother. You know, I just care about you and I want you to have a good time. Oh, and I want to clarify something we discussed later in the episode because we weren't sure who the indigenous people were in Jamaica before colonization. They were the Arawak and Taino people who also inhabited many places in South America. So there you go. A pre-correction for us not knowing what we're talking about later. Next week on the podcast, Drew and I run another 30 for 30 into the end zone. It's one we've been anticipating. It's all about a football player named Ricky Williams. He's a little different than most football players. He gets philosophical, especially when he's rolling up hogs legs. Sometimes he's a professional running back, except when he quits. But sometimes he comes back. What's his deal? We've got a contact high watching Sean Pamphalon and Royce Tony's Run Ricky Run. And we're going to get to the bottom of the enigmatic Ricky Williams once and for all. That's next week here on the document here's traditionally in theaters episodes are not as clippy and that is the case here but we got some fun music clips that pop up in this one. First one is that maroon five song about the love that you know that big song you remember i don't know they just came up then we hear a little bit of be healthy that dead press song about doing just that then we briefly played mighty healthy by ghostface killer from his 2000 record supreme clientele we also hear Luther Vandross is still in love, which was actually a request. And finally, we fade out on another Ghostface killer number. It was on my mind because I went to a Ghostface hole while editing this. Now I got a bunch of Ghostface killer songs in my head. We leave you with the track Clips of Doom off of this 2006 record Fish Scale. Let's get on with it. Let's go down to bountiful, beautiful Jamaica and see if people have babies. DocMateersPodcast.com. It was very controversial when I said it last week, but maybe you should give it a shot because leaving the documenteers five stars in a review on Apple Podcasts is a great way to prove to the world that you're not a racist. If you don't know what's right in your review, then just write, I'm leaving this five-star review to prove I'm not a racist. The universe will get it. That said, keep on docking in the universe. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Keep pushing. Come, keep pushing. Don't stop. Don't stop. Come on, keep pushing. Just like Chucky. Roo! Got around? Roo! Roo! My name is God around.
Eldridge. Hey, what up, man? Welcome to the show. It's been a minute since you've been here. Oh, yes. What's the last? We did some shorties. I think that's the last. Yeah, thing. I think the last one I can remember talking about was, I don't know, Cat and Tree and some Russian. <laughs> uh, Mauritania <laughs> Railway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those two. It was either Russian Homer Simpson or like car ad turned into like think piece. We always date ourselves on this show. Yeah. But after we record this, we're going to watch the Game of Thrones premiere. Yeah, we are. And I hope that they beat all the White Walkers within yeah, three episodes. And then the rest of it is just a bloody free for all. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But I also want to know, there is some interest in who's going to be fucking who, too. Because yeah, yeah. there's some choice hookup action that could be coming on in this new season. The world is so happy that this kid is fucking his aunt. Yeah, they movie. are. actually. <laughs> it's like most incest is bad, but I think uh, Game of Thrones. Most incest, of it. Most incest. A little bit of it is like A little really bit is okay. Cool. A little bit yeah. is really cool. It's like it's some other dragons. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Hey, take that out, man. Whenever anyone says take it out, it stays. That's why I said I just wanted to hear you say that. Just a little bit of incest. <laughs> I'm not. Disclaim. No, I'm not, not even disclaiming it. We all, let's, let's be adults here. Uh, oh anyway, my gosh. So, Black Mother, huh? Yeah, yeah. We watched a movie called Black Mother by someone named Kalik Allah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his last name means God. Mm-hmm. I don't know him very well personally. I wonder yeah. how that affects his ego. I wonder if this is like some Meta World Peace shit. Maybe. Like he changed it. I don't see anywhere where it says that. Uh, I don't know. His father is Iranian, so maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know many Arab or Farsi Persian people that whose last names are actually Allah. I know, right? Maybe it's like his middle name. Yeah, he's like, nah, you don't need to know my last name. But he broke out a couple years ago with a, a film that he just dropped on YouTube mm-hmm. that I can't say the title for. It's filled in words, but at the end, it's an AS. Yeah, so it's not racist. I can say it. Um, I mean, I'm black, and I very rarely say it, so. I don't know. You should just try it out amongst your black friends other than me. I think you might be like the least racist person I know. Honestly. I think technically, like, isn't since racism is supposed to be a construct of the people in power in society, and if technically black people are a less than group, shouldn't technically, like, I can't technically be racist. Am I right? Because racism is an institutional sort of thing. You can perpetuate the racism against yourself, the systematic nature of it. Which the documentary does get into a little bit. Yeah. Like the whole colorism thing. But I I mean, this is quite a debate we can go down. But like, (laughs) say if a the black population outweighs other populations like the Asian population. Mm-hmm. Can the black population systematically be racist against the Asian population? Sure. Or is the way the black population would be racist against the Asian population mm-hmm. reminiscent of the way the majority white population is racist against the Asian population? Yeah, I think that's the way it all comes down to. I mean, who's in the majority? Who has... Who are, who are the people that are in the seats of power? So, I mean, once you determine who those people are, those are the folks that can perpetuate racism, in my opinion. I think ultimately... Anyone can be racist, but it depends on where you are as to the matter of how it's affected. I feel like, I don't know, people are so afraid to talk about race and stuff. I don't really care. It doesn't bother me, but people get so afraid. It's yeah. so crazy. We actually talk about it a lot. Every single episode. <laughs> like, it's not, Akil, he's, he comes on here, he's just like, yeah, I'm having a good time. Race never comes up. I come in here, I'm like, black, 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 black. I think Akil, <laughs> I don't know, I think you're more comfortable with it. But when I say you're not racist... You're the least racist person I know. I've used the term white trash. Oh, I would never say that. <laughs> and you are like uncomfortable with that. Yeah, I am a little bit. And that's kind of interesting. That's not something you encounter that much. That's maybe, I mean, 
I feel like jokingly, I can say I come from that background. Well, you can say, I mean, it's kind of feel that way. Yeah. But it is like a demeaning term because I mean, issues of poverty are very important to me, mm-hmm. whether they're white or black yeah, poverty. Yeah. So I kind of am in my own way, putting my own background down. And that yeah. is not lifting up the environment that I came from. And if I truly want my background of the people where I come from to be better, to overcome these things, yeah, including yeah. racism, I maybe shouldn't use that terminology. Well, that's why I feel awkward about saying Kalik Allah's uh, film filled in words, because it's like one of those things where if another black person feels like they want to say it, like I listen to the music that has it all the time. Yeah. Like that's your prerogative. That's your struggle. You've dealt with it. So sure. that's you. But for me, I think of these negative words, I guess you could say, uh, what is it? Pejorative? These pejorative ways of uh, describing people. I look at it as a whole from a class sort of sense, like any any sort of oppression. So I, I consider like when you use these racial slurs or what you said, it's white, a way of white trash. Yeah. So I see it again. I, so I just feel like it's a way of dividing people, segmenting them further so they can't band together and see who the real enemy is, whoever yes. it is that's oppressing them. So it, it signals into the poverty mm-hmm. that is used and that poverty is a tool which people in power use to divide us. And yeah, you're. Oh, entire populations can be very easily race baited when they have no education and no fucking money. It's the easiest one. That's the and number re- one guilty. And religion is also very prominent in mm-hmm. these cultures. And as we see it in this movie, man, I feel like we get real deep, like real quick. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> we're we're kind of on a timeline, but like yeah, we're yeah. having some real real shit right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's just interesting to come. But I like that about you that if I say white trash, it bothers you because I feel like that can pass a lot of people by it's so it's an aspect of you that i find that sincere part of you that i actually find very charming and uh and it, and it makes me think about it. well if i'm being completely frank too a lot of that comes from my wife who uh you know she's a white person so no big deal there but she oh like, i had no idea i know it's weird right wow. because like, it's crazy anyway she, she she has a problem with that too because i mean just from her background she's like hey this is something that has been said and it's been very hurtful to the people i know and love so i'm like all right man i get that like once it was in that perspective i fully understood it's like yeah that's not my experience I mean, it's just me. I will force Akil to talk about race next time. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> he will be so uncomfortable. He'll be like, uh, I'll make every host talk about race. You have a on the Instagram feed their uh, uh, reaction, their face <laughs> reaction to them, like, oh, oh, oh. Um, oh, I started a, the, an ad campaign, very controversial. Oh, okay, yeah. So an ad campaign to get five stars in a review on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Five stars in a review on iTunes. Right. If you give us that then that will prove you're not racist. Oh, yeah. That's what I found, too. Most people that <laughs> give this podcast a five-star review usually Definitely aren't not. racist. Definitely but, I mean, racist. if you don't want to give it a five-star review, that's cool and all, but, I mean, the, but, I mean, you the can die prove, would be cast. I mean, you, <laughs> you don't have enough evidence, you yeah. know? I mean, I saw that four-star review. I <laughs> thought you were cool, but I'm just saying I don't want to come over to your house for dinner. That's all I'm saying. It's just I wouldn't feel comfortable. Yeah, that three-star uh, review talking about other podcasts? I don't know, dude. That is just like one hop, skip, and a jump away from a red hat with white lettering. I was very triggered by that three-star review, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. Black Mother, it's about Jamaica. This is one of those moving kind of picture ones. Yeah, it is. I seem to only watch these with you. (laughs) That's because I'm your most artistic friend? No, that's not true. (laughs) Actually, there might be something to that. I kind of, when I see kind of the artsier stuff, I kind of do think of you. Shut up. 
Shut up. I, I don't like it because it's so artsy fartsy. And even though you haven't done as much as other people, like you and I, mm -hmm. we've done a few like in theaters ones. Yeah, we have. This is an in theaters ones. You're not going to hear a lot of clips from the movie, though I wish I could play some. I'm sure you could find some. You could only take it from the, what you call that, trailer. Yeah, the trailer. Yeah. I'll, that's what the, the opening clip will be like <laughs> yeah. from the trailer. And I don't want to compare this to Hell County this morning, this evening. Oh, but it's so hard not to. But it's so hard not to. Especially the subject matter and then the way that this documentary was shot. It's impossible not to make the comparison, which is really unfair, but hey, life's not fair. But it, there are two movies that deal with uh, black culture, and they deal with it in two different ways. But one thing we admired about Hell County was that it was a straightforward representation. And there was sadness and there was sorrow, but there was no pity. Right. With Hale County, there was a bit of a narrative without there being a narrative, really. I mean, yeah. the, the way um, Wimel Ross followed these people in their lives, a clear narrative was set. This seemed like a tourist on vacation. Ramel Ross, there was also an aspect of genuine human curiosity about it as well. Yeah. And I think this one kind of is a lot more, feels a lot more deliberate. Feels a little more performative, almost like he's telling people to do, do things. Yeah. Let's talk about stylistically how he's, there's a lot of moving imagery. Mm -hmm. We get narration, but it's not like synced up with any mouths. Malik Allah, mm -hmm. the director of Black Mother, this yeah. is, he's established this as his style. And there's some things I like about it and there's some things I don't. Getting to what you like about it. <laughs> it seemed like he had three different cameras. Yeah, totally. The eight millimeter, like high def. Yeah. Just like a phone camera, it seemed like. And then he had a, a nice camera where he shot some beautiful slow motion natural imagery of Jamaica. When I saw that he had that, I didn't want to see any more eight millimeter shots of the ocean and just to prove that we're fucking beast on this podcast and actually know our shit, I mean, this is some deep, deep research. Please. Panasonic Lumix DMC GH3 digital camera, a Super 8, Super 16, and a Bolex were the cameras of choice. A Bolex looks like one of those things where it's got like eight lenses on it, kind of like the cover of uh, like JT's 2020 vision. Uh, Super 16 being one of those just crappy old film cameras. Super 8 being one of those handheld ones and then the Panasonic being just a fucking photo camera. I don't think we've ever dropped some gear talk on this yeah, one. This is, I'm actually quite the gearhead, not just for like cameras, but just like I like electronic stuff. If anyone's going to do it, it's you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you bring that to the table. But yeah, he had these different cameras. Achieving what effect? I don't know. Blitzed out the high def shots. I'm like, okay, so this should be the whole movie right here. Our yeah. documentary right here. Shouldn't it? I thought there was going to be a narration because yeah. it established uh, a pregnant woman and it said first trimester. Yeah. And I thought there was, I didn't think it was going to be a tight narration, but mm -hmm. I thought the narration was going to be kind of centered around these pregnant Jamaican women. I thought that too. And the world kind of revolving around them. And I think there was a little bit of that, mm -hmm. but it wasn't as like, as linked in quite a bit. I mean, you could say it was yeah. all culturally linked in because there's so much like ground that's covered so quickly yeah. in terms of the culture aspects of Jamaica. And then, and personally, I didn't do a lot of research on Jamaica <laughs> before this. I know they're English sugar plantation colony. Yeah, basically you got it. Slave labor. Um, are, uh, are African descendant folk, the, the original native? I don't, it's hard to, I don't think there's any Caribbean islands where there wasn't some sort of, yeah. A native population before colonialism. I just don't know. I honestly don't know. I know that uh, there's something interesting, though. The, they just got everything just moves so quickly in this movie. Yeah, it just goes from back to forth like, all right, what's going on here? <laughs> they were talking about the Maroons. Yeah, but they were indigenous Jamaican people, apparently. The Maroons, I guess, were 
represented of both. Maybe I I could be getting this wrong. That are considered indigenous of Jamaicans, but also were um, were like freed slaves of the times. So they called them maroons. Yeah, they were and, like escaped freed slaves who kind of intermingled, kind of like what would happen in Florida with the Seminoles. And so there's a part in this film where it talks about the maroons. People are talking about the facts of Jamaica and also mm-hmm. criticizing shit. We'll get into all this. But, but it was interesting, the word maroons. Right. And I was thinking about that word. And the where I heard that word a lot growing up was like Looney Tune cartoons, Bugs yeah, Bunny cartoons. that's right. I forgot Ma- about that. Maroon cartoons and shit. What a maroon. <laughs> what an ignoramus. <laughs> it was like an insult. If Bugs Bunny called someone like a maroon. Yeah, what a maroon. <laughs> what a dope. What a maroon. <laughs> Up until I watched this movie, maroon was like a shade of red. Maroon 5? And uh, in a really amazing band. Yeah. <laughs> this love is Bugs Bunny used to call people maroons. Yeah, he did. And I was like, is that conscious? Does that link into the Jamaican Maroons? Because in this movie, you hear, you never see people talk, but you hear the words as yeah. scenes go by. Talking about how the Maroons would sign agreements with colonists and stuff that would mm-hmm. perpetuate bad things within the country right. for generations and years and years. Talking about how international law should make, after 99 years, certain agreements just gone. Right, right. Which seems like a great rule that every corrupt damn thing ever does not you know mm-hmm. is the idea of bugs bunny calling someone a maroon it sounds like he's calling someone dumb yeah and this notion of the maroons of jamaica signing contracts by colonists is that where that word comes from in that context yeah because it seems like anytime i think about bugs bunny cartoons back in the day oh great fun when i was a kid then i look at it now i'm thinking Wow, this is racist as hell. <laughs> Look, the Tech Saver years were hardcore. <laughs> yeah, they were, dude. I'm a bit more, I'm a big fan of Chuck Jones. I think he was a little better about it. I mean, just some light sexism for him, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and lots of violence. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if they were consciously connecting it that way because the maroon culture goes <laughs> back to like the 17th century, right? Yeah, way back. And uh, or earlier than that, if it consists of Aboriginal or natives to the island. But it's kind of like the word gyp when people are like, oh, I got gypped. Yeah, that means gypsy. So you're saying exactly. So you're saying it's like, oh, you you gypsy. Yeah, you gypsy be or when people say like Jew down or something. Yeah. They don't even think, oh, this is racist. But but I think, yeah, I think most people don't know that that word gyp means that. I feel like Maroon has to come from from this because. Just a quick glance at Urban Dictionary, because everything on Urban Dictionary is true. Yeah, and that all of facts. it is sex-related for some reason. They should call UrbanDictionary.com facts.com. Yeah, .net. Yeah, real dog facts, <laughs> yo, .com. But no, but they talk about being easily fooled. So, I mean, I feel like Black Diaspora all over the world, there's some sort of label attached to them that either says that they're lazy or that they're really dumb. And so that's what they're probably dealing with in Jamaica. And that's probably what Bugs Bunny was saying. <laughs> What an imbecile. What an ultramaroon. <laughs> yeah. I, get, I don't know if Bugs really got it. Like he, <laughs> yeah. maybe he disconnected it like the way people disconnect Jib. Yeah, yeah. It's just words that float around and we don't know. Yeah, people didn't care about political correctness back then. There was no such thing. <laughs> Look, when I was a kid, because I was obsessed with those old Looney Tunes, sure, I went around calling people oh, maroon. Yeah, They're like, what are you, my grandpa? Why yeah. are you calling me that? <laughs> but I obviously, not until uh, the tender age of 38. 
do I even know what that means now? Oh, we were talking about like the criticism, the things we liked. Yeah. So going back into that, I like. I mean, I feel like it taught me some things. Mm, yeah, I do too. And it made me curious as to the history of Jamaica. And I think for that reason, I think I'll be mostly favorable to this movie. Yeah, I like any documentary. I'm a big fan of documentaries that just drop me in, give me some imagery, and I kind of like it to be a little artistic unless it's like history-based, fact-based, where I'm learning about a specific event. If that's the case, I want facts. I want little letters on the screen, all of that stuff. But for something like this, Mm -hmm. I want to just roll through. I want to see what people are seeing in everyday life, which is what is happening in this documentary, I think. And I think maybe, as far as imagery goes, a lot of the, the dispersing through the cameras... I thought maybe that the different cameras represented generation gaps within Jamaica. Sure. And I think that's a pretty good guess. Like, I, I kind of still stand by it, mm-hmm. but I was still just kind of tired. Like, yeah. when it gets to his grandpa, it's mostly eight millimeter. Sure. The sermon he was preaching was, uh, looked like a, that looked like the, a flip phone camera. Yeah, it did. Shit like that. But man, when he brought out that nice, that that new new digital yeah that new shit that new shit was shit hot. was like beautiful i was like dude when those waves near the end were like crashing in and he had a brilliant overhead shot mm-hmm. i couldn't watch that for 30 minutes like i was so because i was getting fidgety like the way mm-hmm. it would go back and forth and there sure and there's a style to filmmaking that's like that where things just move so quickly yeah, quick cuts and i just find that most of the time i can find that intriguing but i find myself being agitated yeah, I think that's one of the things that I know we're trying to talk about what we like and everything. But I'm just going to jump into just some slight irritations that I had. Go for it. Where after a while, I felt, I don't know, I felt like when he was jumping between, there was one camera, I felt like maybe it was a Super 16, maybe the Bullocks. It was like a one trick, like he became a one trick pony. Like I felt like maybe he was showing the distinction between generations, but I didn't see any sort of uniformity between that because there were moments when there would be people in the modern day, like there was a scene where I feel like he's talking about the sensuality or just the sex in the culture mm. where there's a guy trying to buy bread, like some sort of bread dish from a woman that he's just laying this Mac on yeah. her so hard. I was like, damn, dude. But that was an old camera. And I just felt like after a while, it's like, oh, this is going to be so artsy. I'm going to use this like eight millimeter. It's going to be really <laughs> cool, man. It's just like, all right, dude. Like, yeah. Maybe a little too high on yourself there. Yeah, just a little, just a little bit. It's like, yeah, I mean, I've I've been to college. Like, I hung out in the art building. <laughs> I've seen this before. But yeah. sometimes things worked, and he would definitely go into the contrast. He'd talk to sex workers, red light district. Mm-hmm. You'd hear people straight up like, come on, baby, come on, come on. Oh, you're looking good, baby. Fuck, oh, I like that shit. What's interesting to me about the red light district was you didn't quite know what it was at first because the they opened on this late 40s, early 50s woman grinding on the street. Just out broad daylight, twerking, all this stuff. I think she was just dancing. I'm not sure if she was red light, but I'm not sure. Well, I don't think they were saying she was a Uh, sex worker, but they just showed her. And then after that, they show the sex workers. I don't know. I just thought it was odd the way you didn't know what was what. Yeah. I felt kind of bad because at some point I was assuming that for like a good five minutes that every woman we were seeing was a sex worker. Yeah, exactly. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's... That can't be the case. It's just hot there. People are wearing (laughs) tank tops. And I get it. Tropical climate. Take those clothes off, I suppose. Yeah, when I was in Puerto Rico, dude, I went outside for five minutes and I was just coated. I I went from being like, yeah, I got to have a t-shirt. I can have my overshirt on. It was like, nah, it's like I'm wearing a tank top with some shorts. Everything else is going to be soaked. Jamaica is one of those countries where people say they've been, but they haven't really. 
I have never seen people that go to Jamaica for vacation post pictures that look anything like that came from this film. Yeah, it was like, see like a whole white family in trench town. Yeah. Like, hey, what's up? Hey, here I am by the open sewer. It's like, like you went to a resort. Yeah, you went to resort Jamaica, not yeah. any other place. I mean, when it really comes down to it, an, an inclusive resort in Jamaica, is that that much different than an inclusive resort in like South Florida? Yeah, exactly. Because they're definitely going to recommend you not go down to the town. Yeah, exactly. No, why would why would you do that? You're supposed to be having a good time. <laughs> and of course, there is a lot of poverty in Jamaica, and it's so interesting because you see the be- some beautiful landscapes, mm-hmm. and you kind of like there's something very, so bountiful about Jamaica and so much poverty. But it seems like, and there are like commercial vehicles on the street and sure, stuff. Yeah. There seems to be some kind of middle class. I think the whole bounty of Jamaica was something that was recurrent, a recurrent theme in the movie because constantly they were talking about what you're eat, like the what food you ate in Jamaica was a current, a recurring theme. You have people talking about Jamaicans eating fast food versus the bounty of the island, like yeah, the fruit. fruits and vegetables, corn that grows there naturally, versus what you can get from the what I'm assuming is Asian-owned store. They didn't, no one actually said where these people are from. They called them Chinese yeah, wholesalers. Yeah, they just called them Chinese wholesalers. I didn't do deep research, but mm-hmm. there is a culture of Ch- of Chinese immigrants coming to Jamaica. And like literally there is a Chinese culture there. Because we were questioning if they were just saying Chinese, <laughs> yeah. you know, when we were leaving the movie. It's As like, people do. Yeah, they could have been like Vietnamese. We don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there is a culture of that there, and they apparently own quite a percentage of these types of food markets. Yeah, and some of the commentary in the documentary, some of the these more, I guess, rural, uh, less well-to-do Jamaicans have it out for some of these people. They think yeah. they're poisoning the people with all their junk food. They want to do this whole eat healthy, eat right, which honestly, there's precedent for that in a lot of black social justice movements. The whole idea, like, uh, what was that, Ben? Dead um, Prez. Dead Prez. I don't eat no meat. No dairy, no sweets, only ripe vegetables, fresh fruit and whole wheat. I'm from the old school. My household smell like soul food, bruh. Curry falafel, barbecue tofu. The whole thing about like eating right, you know. Yeah, yeah. Lentil soup is mental fruit and ginger root is good I, for I, the youth. Let's face killer, he talks about eating right to keep your mind straight and better than candy land kids. The old rumor is blacks become immune to shit. We never did like eating dead birds. Trust the pharmacy. I can't wait to clip those. It's fun to clip songs I like. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they talk about how it's said in the film that per capita, Jamaica has more churches per land area than any other country yeah. on the planet. And there, so there is a strong Christian presence there, but mm-hmm. there's also that Rastafari sure. religion, which goes into Haley Selassie. I don't yeah. know that much about it, but... That has like a nationalistic vibe to it. Oh, of course. I mean, how could you not, as a impoverished Jamaican, look to Haile Selassie as this godlike figure? Because your whole life you've been oppressed by colonialism, and then there's this ruler who technically fought off colonialism and and won in Ethiopia. When I mean, in all honesty, he just fled the country and then was reinstalled in power. But still, he kept his power. So I yeah. mean, that's something amazing for. I mean, the things that they use to put you down, there's nothing left but using that to build yourself up. Exactly. But so when they're talking about the Chinese wholesalers Mm -hmm. and I was like, "Ooh, is is this the (laughs) race? Is this like a racist culture? But when you but when I the little bit I read about how much is controlled by the outside forces, I was a little sympathetic 
to um to that idea it's like it's it's their place and they have no control over this yeah i did look the film up i don't know when i saw the credits i saw three main players on the credits like the first names that came up but then when i looked it up on imdb um i didn't see those people i just saw Kalik allah god i don't know why that's so hard for me to say but i saw Kalik allah on there for you know directing and all that but then there was I, I thought there wasn't any woman involved with the production of this but there actually was a woman and I, she, she was a producer for the film and i mm. can't think of her name right now i even have imdb up in front of me can't can't find it were you concerned that this was like a male thing like a like a lot of sexualization i just felt i've got the vibe that this film was approaching women from the quintessential male gaze Hmm. because there's one film where they're talking about black mother and I, feel, I get that they're trying to talk about what it is to be a black woman and celebrate the beauty of a black woman but it's just this wet naked like super thick black woman just standing there on camera and he's just showing her and i didn't see the purpose of that i didn't feel like it was very artistic and then i feel like all the other depictions of women in the documentary were either as sex workers or people that were to be gotten by man or something interesting that yeah uh, that that's the way you saw it like, I mean, this movie straight up shows, yeah, a, a woman completely naked, Jamaican woman. You described her. Yeah. When I saw that scene, I was kind of struck at how little I see that. A black woman, a thick body type, fully mm -hmm. naked, just there. When I was watching that, it struck me that that's not something that I see very much. It's not something it's that's point. propped up in terms of beauty standards in our society. Yeah. yeah, I can go into Pornhub and type <laughs> in some special words. In our mainstream movies, if we see nudity or see a woman's breast or a woman's figure, it's mm -hmm. going to be like a white woman or like J-Lo or something, you know? Yeah, if it isn't a woman of any sort of non-European descent, she's going to be the most banging woman you're going to see like on that film. Now, I mean, I found a lot of that to be beautiful. I think I understand what you're saying in the sense that so many women we saw were like stunning. And a yeah. lot of the ugliness was shown <laughs> to be in men. I, under, I, I see what you're saying in the sense that there didn't seem to be any balance between the gender representation of that. Yeah. Like the only nudity we saw was women. But I think maybe in a little ways I can forgive Khalid for that because it seemed like this is about women. This is something that many cultures see every day, but mm -hmm. like dominant cultures, especially here in our country, yeah. they don't. Well, I think another reason why I kind of went in that route was reaffirmed by this when I did a little bit of background check on Kalik. When the, with that first film, I can't, I don't know if it's Popa Wu or Papa Wu. And for this one, he's talking to the Wu-Tang Clan's Brahmin or spiritual guy. And uh, this person's a member of the 5% Nation. Back Way back in the day, I was in a, a band with this dude who was 5% Nation. And there, it's I don't want to say crazy. I, when I say crazy, I just mean it's something I'm not used to. So it's different to me. What is the 5% Nation? Uh, so 5% Nation is this offshoot of Nation of Islam. And they're still... Islam basically, but it's almost like a, a new sect made up in America. And so what happens with this is they're really into numerology or new they they study numbers and so a lot of this dude's raps would be like counting all these different numbers and multiplying and connecting different dates to make some sort of meaning. And so um one of the big tenets with five percent nation is that the black man is a god and the black woman is the earth. And you can't have the earth without God and without earth god has no purpose for being so it's supposed to be this mutual respect for one another and you are supposed to hold up the black woman as the ultimate because she is the the mother of everything that lives she is the earth mm -hmm. but my reaction to that is more along the lines of this is not a new idea 
anytime you make something sacred, what you're really saying is this is either taboo or this should be shut off in a way. Kind of mm-hmm. like, and so when I look at them saying, yeah, the, 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 the woman is the earth. I'm not saying they're purposefully trying to do anything to women. Oh, sure. I know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. But I think when you hold up a woman as something sacred, you're in many ways taking power away from, from that person. Yeah, this, it's like, it becomes like sanctimony. Yeah. And you're actually kind of, it's actually just a different kind of a boot that you're putting on to someone. Yeah, and that's, and that's sort of the lens that I was seeing Kalik's representation of women in this movie, where they're sacred, but in the same time, holding them up as sacred made it impossible for him to really flesh out women as multifaceted beings. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think he was trying to go for that spiritual angle, but Kalik also represented, he showed these conversations that were, where they acknowledged the spirituality that exists within Jamaica. Yeah. And then you heard somebody say something along the lines of uh, churches are the big business now in Jamaica. Like yeah. there is also an acknowledgement within that culture that it's so big that it's inherently corrupt. Yeah, get your church clothes. <laughs> there was a part of, near the end where this lady gives this prayer that goes on for like seven minutes. Oh God, I'm not a religious person, man. I started falling asleep. I'm not I, <laughs> this. I was like, let these credits run. I mean, yeah. by that point, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it was like, I understand what you're doing. I mean, he's been telling people touring this movie that he's baptizing people. Yeah, yeah. I read in an interview I read. I think it was a Vox interview. He was talking to people in Sweden, and mm-hmm. people there were like, "A lot of us are atheists." And he's like, "Well, you've all been baptized now." That's what colleagues doing. He's he, come oh on to church. God. You just don't know you're in fucking church until you're oh, sitting there. Oh my god! Dude. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a. I gotta. It's kind of ingenious on his part. It's like one time we went to uh, went up to Salem, Massachusetts. Maybe people have caught on. I'm very non-religious. Yeah. I. I don't choose to philosophize in spiritual manners. I don't mm-hmm. apply that to my life. That's just me. Yeah. And so we went up to Salem to do like a witchcraft tour. And I thought we were going to do a lot of, it was going to be more of a historical thing. Right. But what it was, was some like Wiccan dude, like making us do sword to the East, sword to the West rituals. Oh, Jesus. And I was like, <laughs> I'm in church, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be in church. Just because your church doesn't have a cross doesn't mean I'm not in church, man. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you know what? I was with family. They seemed to like it. Just go with the flow on vacation. It's the easiest thing to do, man. So, yeah, go to Salem. (laughs) I went to which church? Yeah. I know a lot of people may forego a lot of the mainstream religions and be like, no, I go to which church. I'm not that person. The new Sabrina series on Netflix. If that was a real church, minus the whole sacrificing babies and the Dark Lord for real shit, oh, I'd be all about that shit. That sounds fun. You know, they have a statue of Elizabeth Montgomery in Salem who played oh. Samantha Bewitched. Oh, my God. Well, that's that's good for them. I believe his mother is Jamaican. Yeah. So he is. has family there. I think I had read that he had actually shot that. It seems like his grandfather dies while making this film, but he had shot that footage oh, a, a few years before. Yeah. Blends into this narrative of life. Also, the the women we see are pregnant. And we just talk about this wide open beaver, just like, bam. I, 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 you can edit that out if that's horrible. I don't even no, know. No. If that's a, there's a woman about to give birth. I'm all about camera. The room. Camera's just right on the Mons and the Volvo. I call it the Nene and the How You Like Me Now and so, the What? So, I mean, I've heard some people say Cooter. Cooter? <laughs> that's like, I think. Mean, that's like a redneck version. Yeah, and just for equal representation, <laughs> like we can talk about like dicks and dongs and dicks like and dongs, cock and balls, all that stuff, schlongs. <laughs> but anyways, it's a full-on shot of a woman's genitalia. Ooh, yeah. that's a good word, genitalia. Yeah, <laughs> and she's ready to give. She's some ready to give birth. birth. And then, like, 
why would you have me staring straight up at a woman's genitalia at childbirth and then not show me the childbirth? I thought we were going to see a childbirth. I thought I wanted to see the crowning crown head all the yes. Yeah. I wanted to see it. I, I agree with you 100%. When they showed that shot, I was like, here we go. Yeah, like, We're in we it. You know, it's it. been a, actually a long time since I've seen this human birth. And then they just cut away and it's like, now the baby's here. Yeah. And what they do show is the umbilical cord just dangling out of there. This is just cheap. I don't want this. <laughs> and you forget how pale babies are. When yeah, because the mom was very dark. And then I saw the baby was like, oh, yeah, that is a thing. My little sister, I thought she was white when she was first born. My parents didn't tell me this, this is normal. I was like, are you sure, though? Because, like, we're all black and this baby. Whiteys are ghosts to you all our lives. <laughs> Maybe Khalid couldn't get all that he wanted. It seemed like if you got a straight up shot of a vagina pre-birth, what is anything else, you know? Yeah, everything else is just kind of going away. Know. Put it on the cutting room floor. It's not worth it. Should have shown the birth. I think we I think we all see where I'm trending on this one. I may have had a completely different view of this film had I seen like the babies emerge from this woman's uh, vagina. Yeah, that's actually accurate there because the baby comes out of the vagina. It's, it was such a letdown. You heard her moans and like, Ooh, oh, Jesus, Jesus. And the waves are crashing in. And a quick side note to that. If you've seen the Netflix original movie, which... I think it won the Oscar, Roma. Yeah. The beginning of that movie has a scene of this woman washing floors and she's like throwing uh, water on the floor. It's an above shot. You see the water uh, flowing over the floor, which is, uh, spoiler alert, it foreshadows something that happens at the end of the movie where they go to the, to the beach, blah, blah, blah. Did he take that shot from Roma? Maybe it's just a coincidence. I don't know. Both movies deal with childbirth. So. Yeah. I also think this movie premiered at probably some festivals last year. Okay. All right. So that would make it kind of... Ooh, look tight. at you, mister. I guess that's why you have the documentary podcast. You know, that's I'm getting better. Guy. I'm getting better. That's film guy. All right. Calm down. Don't man. get me wrong. I still don't know <laughs> shit. I still barely know what I'm talking about. But... God, the smugness on Bobby's face right now is just unbearable. Anyways, go on. Yeah, it was a powerful, it was a powerful moment. It was. But yeah. Show us the birth, man. Yeah, show us the birth. I mean, it was cool that we had this artistic overhead view. Maybe that was maybe that was one of the few moments in the documentary that Mr. Allah actually showed some restraint in his film choices. Yeah, I, true. I don't know. Maybe. Mm. But there was something incredibly beautiful at the end when you see the babies in the little area tray yeah, or what baby warm, trays. The baby warmer. <laughs> and the mother's hand is like on the side of it. And mm. you could tell she's out of it because, you know, she just yeah. gave birth. Yeah, she went exactly. through hell. But she's got her hand on it. And that was like so, I was so fidgety sitting through sermons and shit in this yeah. movie. Being like, damn, I'm in church, damn it. Yeah. Khalid, you sent me to church, dude. <laughs> this is one of the moments where switching between the cameras with the overdub of what was happening in the delivery room. It was beautiful. I, I didn't say I was moved to tears, but I felt emotion. Like I, I've actually yeah. felt something. To me, that's a hallmark of any good art. If you can force people to feel anything you're doing your job and i felt something so that was really good i appreciated that but that's wave crashing scene i love that part i loved it glorious he, high death he, he utilizes a lot of slow motion with his quality cameras mm -hmm. and there was just a, some rain going down some steps and that was like great it reminds me of kind of like a, a good version of that slow tv stuff mm -hmm. yeah and you want that to go on for a very long time. He, yeah. It seemed like he very much teased us with the high definition stuff, you know. Just give me a little taste. Yeah, I was a little spoiled for it. I was like, mm -hmm. give, me, <laughs> give me some of that high definition. No more eight millimeter, Khalid. Come so on. I got it. But yeah, that's that movie, Black Mother. It's one thing to watch these movies, but when we sit here and we make ourselves discuss it, it brings it to a whole different level. Think about things differently. As soon as I say what I'm thinking... I hear the contradiction in my thought process and immediately just want to change my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've probably changed my mind 
and yeah. talking about things out loud. We don't rate documentaries in a star rating scale. No, we don't. We rate this on a Herzog rating scale. Documentaries on a Herzog rating mm, scale. You're yeah, going to give this one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. We're going to combine them like a big old Jamaican hog's leg spliff mm-hmm. up to a Rastafarian's mouth. A holy spliff. There's, we saw some, did we see some hog le- hog's legs? Oh, yeah, there was hog's legs like from day one. <laughs> I never heard the term hog's leg until I met you. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what you call that. I just thought it was a big fatty. I think it was like a, I think I grew up, that was like a country boy shit saying for like rolling up gigantic joints. I can easily picture Matthew McConaughey in my head saying it. You gotta roll up a hog's all leg. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> that hog's leg. You got a hog's leg? Man, good times just like a flat spin circle, man. Be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> Eldridge, what do you think about this film? Black Mother by Kalik a lot. All right, let's talk about the things I liked about this film. I like any film that's going to shine a light on people that don't get the light shined on them. Word. So that's great. As much as the, he was a one-trick pony with his little artsy cameras, it was kind of cool when it worked. When it worked, it was great. I actually liked the narrative overdub, like how we use narration that did not match up with what anybody was saying. It was just moving pictures. I liked that. What I didn't like, again, was I felt like the 8 millimeter camera shit... 16 millimeter, whatever. It was kind of boring after a point. Overdone. Yeah, it was all overdone. I didn't feel like the whole male gaze thing. I still stand by that. Quite frankly, the only person, woman that's involved with the decisions in your film is someone that's basically a grant funder that gives you some money and nothing else. Ooh. That's just like, all right, so you're going to make a movie about black women and you're not going to have one black woman on the team? I'm going to go ahead and just get to the chase. 3.5 for me. Oh, you know, I may have a different outlook on some things. Maybe that comes from just my cultural background, what I've experienced mm-hmm. in my life. I didn't feel like I was being leery or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But you had made that point about how black women's bodies are like the earth. The thing that seems sacred can also, in a bizarre way, hold us back i mean we pointed out i'm I'm with you on the camera styles and what worked for me really worked quite a bit i think your rating was dead on i think 3.5 is a solid rating for this movie yeah not bad take your 3.5 combine it with mine that's 7 out of 10 wait 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 does that mean that we don't get to listen to that's the way I like it? No, you, it's got to be. Oh, this is. We've never done a non 10. Yeah. The few God. that we've watched have been 10s. Mining the Gap, Hell County, those are 10s. Can just, like, I don't know. Just. Okay, this is how it is. If you ask real nicely, I'll play it. That's the way we like it. No, 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 no. That has to be safe for a 10. That has to be safe for a well, 10. I respect it. I you respect can it. say you can say this is a 7 out of 10 Herzog song. You can name whatever you want that to be. Oh. <gasps> Um, so can that Luther Vandross song, uh, wait, is that Luther Vandross? The one where it's like, still in love with you. Okay. That's a seven out of 10 song. All right. Seven out of 10 Herzogs for Black Mother by Kalika Law. Ooh, I'm about to get that big Luther up in here. Please be there saying that you're still in love Too soon, Bobby. Yes, he's so, very oh, dead. Sorry. He is very dead. Big Luther's gone, man. Teddy Pendergrass died a few years yes, ago. Yes, Teddy Pendergrass also dead. We're losing all of our legends. Yeah. James Brown, dead. Michael Jackson, dead. Oh, oh <laughs> God. I, I'm never going to get over him being a better ass, man. I just, did you get around to watching Leaving Neverland? I'm, I'm not going to do it. 
I'm just going to admit, yeah, it probably happened, and I still have Off the Wall on vinyl, <laughs> and I listened to it the other week, but our heroes are dead. It seems like without seeing Neverland that you're going through the throes of people that did. Yeah, I don't need to see it because I think it would break me as a person. I'm, I got, I'm on a tenuous, I have a, a tenuous thread of holding my shit together. If I see this documentary, I may lose all of my shit. <laughs> I will have to go lost and found like, sir, where's my shit? Maybe I'll watch this filled in words. <laughs> filled in words with an AS so it's not racist. Any white people listen to this podcast, just say the name of the movie to any black person you meet in the street. It'll be just fine, I promise. It's coming from a black person. It's okay, just do it. There you go. You have my word. You got permission. <laughs> we might lose some of you in the process. Process. It's probably just a misunderstanding. You probably didn't say it right. So just make sure you say it right. Yeah, with the with the A at the yes. end. Yeah, the A at the end. All right. <laughs> well, this is some goofy shit now. <laughs> I know. Let's just go ahead. call All right. it. <laughs> All right. Until next time, until our next conversations about race, keep on docking. Third trimester. Mercedes with a brand new baby Glock Right from a lady's sock with two bodies on it yeah. Capricorn Aquarius Lost so much blood, these bitch niggas in their periods They say I be living the road like Pac and Juice And only fuck with cute bitches that can fly and boost In their ears be shared, the lids lit up 